G'day, my name's Adam Spencer and welcome to Billion Dollar Napkin, where we discover how some of Australia's brightest startups prove that their crazy, innovative and impactful ideas were possible. We'll be taken through their triumphs, failures and pivots and learn everything from their early beginnings to how they got it made. I think the thing for us, zero waste of potential in people, is about how do we make sure everyone has access to a meaningful career. It really came down to, if I don't do this and someone else does, I'm going to be so pissed off. Imagine a world with zero wasted potential, where the best people find the right jobs and the best jobs find the right people. Well, today, we'll hear how Siobhan Savage, a non-techie co-founder, is building Rejig, Siobhan, thanks so much for joining me on Billion Dollar Napkin. Excited to be here, excited for the drinks. <laughs> Let's get straight to it. What is the Rejig Billion Dollar Napkin? So at Rejig, we believe in a world with zero waste of potential. So everything we do is to make sure that every single individual has access to a meaningful career. So we ensure that everyone's skills, potential, education, and preferences are all brought to life. And then what Rejig does is it enables large organizations to basically have the right people with the right skills at the right time. So we look at ensuring that every person, every job and every learning is provided into our platform. And then that enables really large organizations to find, to skill, to move their organizations. Congratulations on drawing our first left-handed. I know, I had to really struggle not to smudge. Billion dollar outcome as well. Okay, so is it essentially, it's a software platform? Yes, absolutely. Rejig is a workforce intelligence platform. So we use AI to basically move folks to opportunity. So whether they are folks that are coming into your organization or whether you're looking to reskill folks, we use that AI to basically move and make recommendation. Okay, so if I'm an organization and I've got my current staff profile, I run rejig over all of them and work out what they could be doing better or what my organization could be doing better with them? Absolutely. So we will basically give every single individual a 3D profile. We will tell you everything about you before you join the company. We'll tell you everything that you've done well with the company, but more importantly, we will tell you what that person can do next. And then what organizations will use that information for is to find, to move, to skill, or to reskill that individual. When you say zero wasted potential, are most organizations running on only one or two percent waste of potential or is there is the zero WP? Is there a lot of WP out there? <laughs> I mean, I think you'll see a lot of organizations hiring thousands of people in one side of their business while letting go of thousands of people on their other side. That is a pure definition of waste of potential. And when we think about zero waste of potential, we're talking about how do we make sure that everyone's potential isn't isn't wasted? How do we make sure a company is not wasting their potential? So the inability for organizations to move people to opportunity is causing this incredible waste. And then more importantly, we think about the bigger play. How do we help companies and individuals have a recurring impact into society so that we are building the right skills and um, capability for the future? Where did the idea first come from for you? Were you a techie type person? You were more an HR type person, Absolutely. I'm a complete non-traditional pathway for um, building a technology company. So my previous career was building really large workforce strategies. So my role would have been finding, moving, mobilizing talent. And at that time, unfortunately, we were letting thousands of people go on one side of my business while hiring thousands of people on the other side. And it was just bizarre because how come a company like us can't actually figure out how to move these folks to opportunity? And actually the root cause 
pause that I could see was we didn't know who anyone was. So we had no visibility into who anyone was within our in our, our organization. And in order for you to do anything meaningful or strategic in someone's career, you need to know who they are, right? You need to know what they could do, what they match to, and what opportunities exist within your company so that you can make that orchestration. And in terms of getting this sort of thing right, from the company's point of view, anytime you bring a new person on, there's a period of weeks or sometimes months before they're really up to speed and doing their best, not only are you possibly losing corporate memory when someone leaves, there's the whole training and upskilling time when someone comes in. The more you can minimise that, the better for the organisation. Absolutely. I think if you think every single individual has a backpack and your whole career you would put skills into your backpack as you go along and the skills that you collect from the second you leave school should be valuable for your future career, right? And what Rejig is doing, it's basically mapping that whole backpack. It's bringing all of the skills together and then saying, based on you, our ethical AI models will basically say, here is what you could do next. And what that does is it tells you as the individual, but then it also tells the company, hey, Jane could do this. This is the opportunity that we have for Jane right now. So she never has to leave your company. When you make a 3D profile of someone, if I was to look at a 3D profile of me, what, what, what am I looking at? So again, skills backpack, right? So what is everything, and we'll say Jane, because I always use Jane as my example. What has Jane done before me as my company? So all of the skills, the learnings, the education, any of her background, what has she done before she entered into our organization? And then when she joined our organization, what has she done well with us? Projects, stretches, mentoring, learning, um, any kind of other experience that she's gained well with us. And then the future is, well, what could she do? So we've modeled over 500 million real people's career paths. Whoa, 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 whoa. 500 million. 500 million. Correct. Incredible amount of information. What do you learn from doing that? We learn, um, one of the most amazing things that we learn is what are the non-traditional pathways? We all know that a software engineer comes in and becomes a senior and, and the pathway, but what about the veterans? What about the veterans who have these skills? How can we unlock them? What pathways could they take? What are non-traditional paths for women entering into the technology space? What are non-traditional pathways for someone like me? I'm a perfect example of someone who should not be leading a very large startup, but here I am, right? So absolutely, it's all about the modeling of what potential looks like. Um, and that's why we have to model so many people because you gotta have a view of what are all the things and the possibilities, and then our AI models will zone into these pathways Quite like, think of a New York subway station. We will put you on your path and then we'll start telling you, if you take this pivot, here's where you could go. And if you pivot again, here's where you could go. And here is the difference between you and this opportunity and the learnings that you should probably take to get there. I think you've started to just answer a question I wanted to ask you. So I can see how an organization learns about itself and its staff collective through this process. Individuals, by looking at their 3D profile, must also learn things about themselves that they never knew. Absolutely. I think the thing for us, zero waste of potential in people is about how do we make sure everyone has access to a meaningful career? You've had the idea, you've got it in place, and you're about to really flick the switch as a business. What is that moment like? So the way I've been describing it to my team, so you know when you have a rocket ship and the first part of the rocket is like dragging the rocket down the road and you <laughs> go over all the bumps? We were probably there in about December. And this last period, it's the, you know, when they stand the rocket up and it just starts shaking. <laughs> crazy shakes, everything's screws flying out, everything's going crazy. Um, that's our current state. But that's the state that we need to be in for this to really take off. So that's the, the comfort in that analogy is that we know we're probably getting ready to, to take off. 
You've teamed up with Shuja. Yep. She brings the sort of nerdy techie smarts. Absolutely. We've got three founders. So I'm Domain, sort of HR. We've got Shuja Zhang. So Shuja's got a PhD in machine learning. So she's our knowledge graph network expert. And then we've got Mike, who's also software, cyber, um, privacy. That's his expertise. So if you look at our team, we've got this beautiful, like we call it like three-legged stool that without one of us, it's just not possible. And we bring this really diverse set of skills together. Did the ideas start purely with you and you recruited the other two in or were you working with one of the other two, you had the idea you needed the third? How did we go from wherever this idea started yep. to the three of you working together as Rejig? So Mike and I previously worked together in our previous company where he would have been in charge of delivery and I would have been in charge of like strategy. And we kept having this problem and we, I just couldn't stop talking about it. And then we got introduced to Shuja and Shuja and I had a lunch and I told her I wanted to change the world. And somehow at the end of that lunch, she'd quit her job and was like, I, I need in. Well, so. well, seriously, within a single yeah. lunchtime meeting. Pretty much. We you've, were you've, totally talk, you've talked her out of her job into your new not existing yet not existing. Organization. <laughs> we had a PowerPoint. What was the cell? So I think, so Shuja is uh, Chinese, female in tech. And one of the things that was really core to when we built was how do we create AI that is good and fair? That'll mean that anyone has access to a meaningful career. And I think for Shuja, one of the things that became so instant was our genuine belief of baking good into everything that we do. So when we talked about it, I said one of the fundamental things that we've got to get right is this. So that for her was, the, that, that was her was her moment, her aha moment for us. What, what does ethical AI mean to you? So if you think about the amount of data that we host and the amount of data and career pathways, and not only do we have this incredible amount of data, but we're making some of the most important decisions for a human, their career, right? And we've got a responsibility to make sure that the algorithms that we create that make recommendations are not causing any harm. So what we wanted to do was like you get your taxes audited, we wanted to make sure that the algorithms that we were deploying within our customers were checked and not from Siobhan Savage, the salesperson saying, everybody trusts me, this is fair, we've done it all right, marking our own homework, but from an independent body who the world could trust. So University Technology of Sydney, took Rejig's algorithms over an 18th month process. We nearly died about three times through this process because <laughs> it was pretty brutal. And they ran a process to one, define what is the ethical use of AI in talent specifically, because it's very different from facial recognition or any other software, right? And then they took Rejig's um, algorithms and we, audit, we got audited. And we passed our audit and we have committed to a continuous basis of every time we enter a new country or our data lake gets too big, we do another audit. Um, and, and what that's basically saying to not only us as founders that we can sleep at night, but also to our customers and the folks that we are making decisions on that we have had an audit. We are making sure that we are creating inclusive technology that will give you access to fair opportunities. You said that during that process, you almost died. Yep a few times. What what were the challenges? What were the, the tough things for your organization going through a process like that? I think when you're building a startup and everyone tells you anyway, it's probably not the best idea. And then you decide that you want to also put yourself through this rigorous process where you're getting every single part of your business audited for absolutely your own choice. And you've paid someone to do that, yeah. right? Like, I think that was, that was really, really tricky um, for us because we, we had put ourselves under this incredible amount of pressure, right? And also we committed to it publicly. What, what's an example of something it came up with that you realized you were a better organization for having gotten over or removed or improved? 
Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things was that when they created a framework, they made sure that when we were building our team, that it wasn't a whole pile of guys building the technology. Mm -hmm. So what we actually looked at was a safe framework for building. So the team had to be very diverse from backgrounds. It wasn't just about the data, it was about the expertise. And I think a lot of folks talk about ethical AI being a data thing or an AI thing, but actually there's a whole pile of folks that should gather around the campfire on this. You know, folks from ethics, from law, you know, this is a, a really sort of broad conversation point that everyone has to agree on. So that was really interesting for us. And I had to upskill myself in such a rapid period of time on, on you know, the law, on ethics on, on, and everything around this. And what was really interesting is, you know, when we went out to market and said, we've actually committed to doing this and we completed it, the laws have now changed in New York. By 2023 next year, any AI platform in the talent space will have to have an independent audit. And this doesn't exist in the world right now. So for us, you can imagine our business has just went crazy because all of the big corporates will not be allowed to bring in AI without the audit and we're the only one that has it right now. Take us back to before it went crazy. Is there a moment where you secure your first client or you, you place your first new individual in a job or internally change someone around? Is there a moment where you suddenly realise, wow, this, is, this has started? Our very first customer in Rejig's journey and in Australia was a company called MYOB. And we work really closely with their head of people to really design and co-create Rejig from the beginning. When Rejig goes on this big upswing and from you've signed your first client to you're now a significant sized business, put some numbers on that. How, how small were you? How big did you become? How quickly? So in December of last year, we would have been 12 employees. 12 weeks later, we were 98. So, sorry, in 12 weeks your staff numbers went up by a factor of eight from 12 Correct. to 98. And by the end of this next period, between now and December, we'll be sitting around the sort of 190. Okay, so as a recruiting business, yep. was it hard to recruit new people? Recruiting was less the problem, if I'm honest. The problem that we had was we went from 12 people who all threw stuff over a desk and you could kind of get really quickly to a, you know, a resolution or an idea to suddenly then all of these customers that we promised and committed to, all of these people, and we had no playbook or process on how to scale this. So people would, the hiring part and get them excited, yep, we could do that. But it was when they showed up, okay, well, what, what do they do? What do they do when they're here? And how do you codify that? That was the part where it was really painful for me. What did you learn about yourself as a leader? What were your deficiencies on that journey? Many things. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that sometimes when you say things once, you probably need to say it a hundred times and then write a doc and then ship the doc and send a pre-read and then make sure everyone's on the same page because they might hear a different thing in that moment. So really codifying and playbooking everything was like biggest learning for me in this last, um, last quarter. Um, I think one of the biggest learnings for me was I probably didn't anticipate how big this would be. I knew it would be big, I genuinely did, but now I think this is even bigger than I've ever thought about it before. So I really underestimated the size and scale of the problem is probably one of them as well. Billion Dollar Napkin is brought to you by Amazon Web Services. For over 15 years, AWS has helped more startups launch, build and succeed than any other cloud provider. If today's episode inspired you, with AWS Activate, you can access free tools and resources to help you get started. Get up to $100,000 in AWS credits and start building with easy to use templates that allow you 
to launch your business idea in minutes. For more information, visit aws.amazon.com slash activate. AWS, prove what's possible. What impact did the pandemic have on Rejig, both internally, a significant number of your people would have then been working from home, and also for business, because it was a time where people's relationship to work changed substantially. We heard of a lot of businesses shedding people. We heard of a lot of people choosing to move on themselves. There was a lot of reskilling going on. There was a lot of people within their organisation asked to take on new roles. Was the pandemic a a fascinating time for Rejig? Absolutely. It was... um slightly a roller coaster. So we went into lockdown. We were a brand new company, just closed our seed. And this lockdown pandemic kicked off. And there was probably about a, maybe a 10 week period where we didn't know what was happening. Because if you think about HR and the role that they played during the pandemic, they were the most critical member of the team mm. for the business, for the CEO. So they just weren't available. They, they weren't available. They didn't know what to do. They had no playbook for this either. So you had a whole period where these folks were trying to figure out what to do. Sorry, she's in meetings for the next four years. <laughs> exactly. And I think one of the things that became really obvious to not only us and my previous career, but to these folks was they had no idea who any of their people were. So when they went into their systems to run, a, the, you know, who do we have, what skills do they have, under 20% of the population globally will ever complete their profile. Now, I don't know the psychology behind that, but even when folks were being told that they didn't have a job to go to because they were going to get cut, they still wouldn't give over their data. When we talked to our, um, our now current customers and said, you know, this is the thing we see, you don't have visibility. The one thing you need to survive in this environment is visibility and unlock that. There was a couple of weeks where they probably were like digesting and having these conversations, getting a bit of proof. And then it was like, just all of a sudden, I was getting these calls. I was getting, hey, do you remember you came and said you could do this? Can you do this fast? How long will it take you to do this? I've just told the CEO, we've got the budget, let's go. And then it was like, oh God. <laughs> what did, yeah, well, what did you learn about yourself and what did the organization learn about itself through such a period of explosive growth and where the role you were playing was so important to these organizations? I think two parts, don't waste the moment. We had a moment. Like we had a moment to be, be really helpful. This is it. That was, that was the feeling that was like, okay, cool. Like if these people are calling me, this is our moment. And then I think the other thing for us, you know, I talked about zero waste to potential being part of our core, why we exist. How do we take this moment to bake that behavior into these folks' way of working, to their people's strategies, to the way the CEO makes decisions? COVID changed how leadership behave, what's tolerated, what's expected, and that leaders have to have a much broader view on society and their view of how they do good on behalf of their company, right? So that's the first thing. But then the second thing is, how do we give them visibility? They could never orchestrate the movement of people because when it came to a moment where they were in a downturn, they would ring up their CPO and say, hey, Siobhan, can you tell me who are my people that are being impacted and what skills they have? And is there any of those jobs on the other side of the business I could move them to? And they never knew who they were. And I personally experienced this, right? This was my previous career. The reason why Rejig even became a thing was exactly that phone call. I got a call. We're about to shut down the mines. What can I do with these people? And I was like, I don't have any idea who these people are. And it was so soul destroying to be in that situation where I was letting people go on this side. But these folks, when I started digging and pulling data from lots of different places, I could actually see this person could actually do this job. 
And it was already too late because by the time that wave starts, it's very hard to stop it. And now when I'm talking to CEOs, I'm saying, well, this is exactly what you need to do. Have full visibility so you can move people up and down and around your business, even if it's like a temporary bench, right? You've seen some of the really smart early customers that we worked with during COVID. They benched folks and they put them into new roles. And you know what happened out of that? That was such a positive. They suddenly had this innovation. They put new people into these opportunities who would never have got them before. They got all these new skills. They were able to be super adaptable and actually agile in terms of how they built. And those folks became super happy and wanted to stay with the companies for longer, right? So, you know, it's win-win-win for everybody. When it comes to scaling, the scaling's a really scary concept for people to make the organisation larger, to go into new countries, to get bigger. It must be comforting working with AWS to know that the technology underpinning what you're doing can scale, flick of a button, in minutes, not days, not weeks. That must make that part of the journey easier. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that they do really well is they help you optimize your tech stack. So when you're designing for scale, they'll help you put the right technology strategy in place, which has been incredibly helpful for us um, in building out Rejig to go global. You know, I don't come from a network of technologists, right? But what they've done really well for Shuja and I specifically is, is created a community where we have access to folks who are on the same journey as us. So that's been incredible, as well as the partnerships and how we can unlock the partnerships that they've had. They're, they're some of the really key things that have been really valuable to us as we've grown and learned through the journey. So Siobhan, you've got this idea, you think you can do it, but as I said so many times, everyone's had a billion dollar idea. It's one thing to have an idea, it's another thing to do the idea. What got you across that line? What pushed you to do this? It really came down to if I don't do this and someone else does, I'm going to be so pissed off. So that really became the what's the worst thing that can happen? So you would have had people telling you this is not going to work, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Were you told that more because you're an HR person, you don't know how to do a startup? Or were you told that more you're a woman, this is a man's game? What was the nature of the pushback you were getting? It was less the chick thing and more the you're in Sydney and no one's going to take you seriously. Mm -hmm. um, that was probably the first thing that really got me wound up. Um, two, I don't have the background. You know, I don't have a formalized degree in technology, so what would I know? Um, the female thing played into it from, uh, I've got two little kids, two little daughters mm -hmm. and, you know, a startup is, you know, a lot of work and you got to put a lot of R's in. So that kind of narrative. Um, but generally speaking, it, it was more around, you know, you're only in Australia, you're a bit foreign was probably the thing that was said quite a few times. So what is it about you and Mike that gets this done? Because, you know, the phrase is every, everyone's had the idea. Everyone's had a billion dollar idea. It's one thing to have the idea. It's another thing to do the idea. What is it about you and Mike in particular that means this got done? We've got the way we split our team is I'm out front, sort of creating the front of house, the demand. Um, you've got Mike looking at delivery. So everything of like performance and how do we actually build? And then you've got Shuja that then looks at, well, how do we create the data magic? So we, we've got really key rules and we, we don't bounce into each other's swim lanes. Um, ultimately, we make a call when we have to, but there's a really good split and expertise. And we're just so focused, like really focused, quite obsessive. Probably it's not a good thing. We don't do anything else. <laughs> um, and we've got really clear vision for one, where we are right now, where we're going, but where we will be. And we know what we need to do to get there. And it's about keeping the team super focused on that execution. How do you balance that 
focus that's that is needed and that 24 hours a day if you can give it there's enough jobs for you to do aspect of it with your family but also your own mental health and if you were denying yourself access to these beautiful young kids you you're going to you're going to suffer i think like honestly i don't have it figured out like it's not it, it and it goes up and down as well depending on like what's happening i did have a chat with my kids like they're only 4 and 8 but i did sit, and they're both girls by the way i sat them down i was like listen this is mommy this is what we got to do you're in i'm in we all got to do this and it's going to be worth it so is everyone in and everyone was in and then my 4-year-old came out of her cupboard with a plastic bag full of shoes who and wanted to give it to charity because she was thinking that zero waste of potential was about you know giving it, back which is yeah. but in her mind that was what it like this is what we're doing yeah. so they it's theirs as well it's it's not a you know me mike and shuja it's actually we've all got kids and it's all our kids are part of this and it's about just trying to find i'm trying to take sundays right now where i don't have tech um tech free sundays yeah it's not going so well <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but it's 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 quite a bit of discipline actually um and you need a lot of folks to help there's challenges for the humans in the organization to take that on and to take the pressure and to take that commitment to know you've got technology running through your business that can scale yep. reliably at the click of a finger in minutes not days having that part of the equation looked after allows you to really face the human challenges of scaling absolutely and they've also you know they're bringing to us hey we've already built this stuff so it's already existing within our infrastructure so don't bother going and building it yourself and scaling a team you know actually unlock what we've got which was really helpful and we've done a lot of that the future of work is something everyone has an opinion on and have had over the last couple of years you you're seeing it from the front line are we going to from now onwards work and have a relationship with work and place that's just completely unlike what we had pre 2020 or will it come back to a lot more like pre 2020 than some people think and you'll spend the occasional day at home or there'll be a bit of flexibility in there where do you see it all going it depends on what industry because there's folks that physically can't you know work in the cloud right um but i think what the one common theme no matter where and who we talk to around the world these hyper personalized experiences of me at work is is the future you know serve me the right information at the right time don't spam me tell me what i could do next you know you really think about this hyper personalization around the individual it's now about how do we create that while at work so you know whether or not someone's working too many hours and needs to be nudged to take a holiday or whether it's they look like they might be ready for a next move in their career nudge them to a new opportunity that happens to be there or someone who looks like they have the intent to start learning in the data space nudge them to a learning course from AWS it's been an incredible couple of years before through and hopefully coming out of the pandemic 12 months from now where where do you see rejig The last 12 weeks we have just one customers and deployed in Singapore, in the UK and in North America and New Zealand. So that's been my last 12 weeks. In the next 18 months, um workforce intelligence is a new category that we will lead. And that really is the next sort of 12 to 18 months is really driving growth in North America for us and and throughout and the UK. So I'll be on a lot of flights and team will grow and i think you will find a more understanding from customers around zero waste of potential about their responsibility to not only bring in folks but make sure that they've got access to meaningful careers 
Siobhan Savage, thank you so much for telling me all about Rejig on Billion Dollar Napkin. Thank you very much for having me. Billion Dollar Napkin is brought to you by Amazon Web Services and hosted by me, Adam Spencer. Produced by the good people at Podshape, we were filmed on location at the Hollywood Hotel in Sydney. 